Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are really iconic, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? So, Jonah, I think we were thinking today because our guest... We're so excited for it because he is also a fellow Clevelander. I think you wanted to talk about a story that's related to us growing up in the suburbs of Cleveland. Yeah, this is a pretty brief story, but I'm curious <laughs> if our guests will remember this. This was probably late nine, mid to late 90s, Chagrin Boulevard. There was a Burger King there near our high school, and kids in my grade really love this Burger King. I don't know why. And at one point it closed. They built a McDonald's at one point. And Vanessa, you might remember this. I think we went to like the opening of the McDonald's. It was like, yeah. and that does make us sound like a little bit, I don't know, but like it was like a big deal. McDonald's was opening Because it area. had a big playground in the back of it too. Yeah. It was like a very fancy McDonald's. It felt fancy at the time. If you saw it now, maybe, you know, you just see McDonald's. Okay. But so I think it put the Burger King out of business basically. And right. They were across the street, right? They were across the street. They were, I think they were on the same side of the street, but just okay. very close to okay. each other okay. on Chagrin. Okay. And so anyways, Burger King closes, they open a Rite Aid. And I remember kids in my grade being very upset about this <laughs> and being like, don't go to Rite Aid. Like we're boycotting Rite Aid because we think if we don't shop there, they'll bring back the Burger King. The most like <laughs> misguided like activism because it's like, okay, these are all like just corporate chains that don't care about you. But I remember these kids really thinking like they can make a difference by not going to this Rite Aid and bringing back Burger King. And so I'd love to get everyone's take on, on that yes, controversy. Well, 
Let's introduce our guest because I wonder if he remembers this Burger King closing, uh, this mom and pop shop Burger King closing, <laughs> and then bringing in a Rite Aid. Evil Rite Aid. <laughs> yeah, Evil Rite Aid. Our guest today is a New York Times bestselling author, actor, comedian, and screenwriter, and beloved podcaster who created and hosts the hit podcast, Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. Please welcome fellow Clevelander, Danny Pellegrino. Hello. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. And (laughs) apologies in advance to all your listeners if we're talking too much about Northeast Ohio, but we all sort of grew up in the same area. Yes. And I don't remember that I, okay. I mean, of course, I remember like the Burger King McDonald's war, sure, which lived in my heart still to this day. Like, <laughs> I think maybe we're going to be talking a little bit about like Happy Meal and kids toys that come with it. But yeah, I remember that was always the thing that fascinated me most of like, well, who does Burger King have? Because especially in the 90s, there mm-hmm. would be sort of sometimes Disney would go rogue and go to Wendy's for a like right, right, or right, something, right. Or a random movie. And so that's kind of like what I would always think about. And and I love the food, but I was always McDonald's person. So I don't really remember. I wasn't attached to that okay. Burger King. You okay. know, there, there was sort of a part two to this, which happened more recently, although still many years ago, which was when we were in college or maybe right out of college. So maybe let's say 2005 to 2010, I'm going to call it, okay? The Dairy Queen on Chagrin closed. And I remember people were going absolutely insane. These are people who, by and large, did not live in Cleveland anymore. I remember, I believe I was living in Chicago at the time, and there were a lot of people I knew in Chicago who were from Cleveland who were absolutely flipping out. And it was very funny to me, the level of anger from people who, again, like if you cared so much about the Dairy Queen, maybe you should have stayed in Cleveland and supported it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, people, yeah. do you remember that? Do either of you I, remember that? I didn't that? know it closed. I remember going there a lot after baseball games and like t-ball yeah, games after and softball stuff. Games. But I think what you're describing is like very similar to when LeBron James left Cleveland. Everyone's like, I can't believe it, Liam. I'm like, you live in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, right. You're allowed right. to leave, but he's not. You left the but- minute you graduated high school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Dairy Queen's got to stay there forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Danny, you remember the Dairy Dairy Queen closing? Yeah, I remember that Dairy Queen. And also there was a Dairy Queen on Aurora Road, which is the one closest to where I lived. But it was like a sort of a, it was like a shed. It wasn't like a full-blown Dairy Queen. So they didn't serve the hot food. Did the Chagrin one serve Yeah, the hot it was. Food? And you know what it's called when they serve hot food? No, what? It's a brazier. That's <gasps> why they call it Dairy Queen something for like frozen treats and brazier. Brazier means hot food, I guess. And did you know that our dad used to work at Dairy Queen? Did you know that, Jonah? That Dairy Queen on Chagrin. I didn't know he worked at that one. I knew he worked there at one point. Okay, I guess I don't know for a fact that he worked at that one, but I always assumed he did. So, Danny, you're from Solon, Ohio. Solon. Yeah, yeah. We're from Moreland Hills, Ohio, for like the four people, I'll say 40, who listen yeah, to this who are 40, from probably. our... Yes, but you remember this Dairy Queen closing? So I do remember that Dairy Queen closing, and I, I had my very first kiss behind a Dairy Queen. I have like a very strong emotional attachment, but growing up, I didn't realize there were Dairy Queens that made hot food until sort of later. I remember going to probably that one that you're talking about and being like, oh my God, they have, like my brain wouldn't, take it in like you they didn't serve know hamburgers about here. Brazier's. It is pretty weird. Yeah. Cause most of them don't. And I don't really remember ever getting hot food there. I feel like only getting ice cream there. Wait, I need to ask, did your dad bring home anything from Dairy Queen? Like I would oh, want him sorry. to bring home he, like he the worked there when he was like a we teenager. Okay. Yeah. I think he okay. was a teenager. But he but talked he said- about it enough where you would think it was more recent. Yes. <laughs> and he would talk about like eating a lot of the product. <laughs> so Danny, were you 
you were sort of near like Jaga Lake, Aurora Farms, that kind of stuff. Yes, Jaga Lake was where we used uh, summertime. We would get like the season pass and go to Jaga Lake all the time. And yes, and Vanessa, this is so weird. This is going to sound like I followed you, but I think I was in Chicago around the same time as you, like 2008 ish or something. Yes, yes, I was there from 2004 to 2010. Okay, so I think yeah. we might have overlapped a little bit. And I just found this out that the McDonald's there, they. It's like a McDonald's test kitchen. or What? They serve a lot of the international foods at the McDonald's in Chicago. What? At the one in Chicago, you can get like pizza or McDonald's other items that they don't serve in the U.S. that you can get at this one location. I don't know where it is in Chicago, but I just learned this. Oh my God, that is incredible. (laughs) How did, is that new? I just read it and I don't really remember many of the details, but I remember being just like you are flabbergasted right now. Like I was blown away. <laughs> I could not believe I it. I know. I feel like I'm in shock. <laughs> yeah. There was a TikTok. I saw someone eating like a pizza and oh then my. I saw that and then I looked it up and they said, I don't know if it's always the same things, but I know that you could get things that I we wouldn't be able to get at any other McDonald's. Oh my god. Okay, well my very good friend Kitty lives in Chicago and she's from Cleveland and I will put her on the case to find out where is this McDonald's and frankly what are the special offerings? You can probably you look know? it up. Kitty. They might know. Well, I'm going to have Kitty do it. Okay, may, yeah, maybe <laughs> Kitty, you know. Danny, you know what's interesting is the place I hung out more than anywhere else in high school was in Solon and it was the parking lot of the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Okay. Yes, Jonah. That's what we would do. I'm sure I saw you there a time or two because that's what we would do. I was there and then I was at this now very long defunct record store, Disc Den. I don't know if you remember that. I remember Disc Den, yeah. And it was this guy, Mike, owned it. He was super cool. It was like people like smoking cigarettes, looking at cassettes. He would special order stuff. That was like, yeah. That place turned into a record exchange, which was one of those places you could get like used video games. And I'm a video game person and I would go there and just like be in awe of just the video games that you could get for a low price. And then there was a certain point, maybe like 2010 or something, where everything was so expensive then. So like an NES game that was used somehow like, became more than some wow. new video yeah. game. Dan, I'm going to blow your mind. I worked at the CD Game Exchange in Solon when it opened. I was in college. So this was probably like 2000, maybe. Oh my God. I'm wow. sure I've seen, I must have seen you there. because oh I was there. Yeah. I was yeah. there for the summer. And yeah. And I remember being like bummed when people would try to buy video games. I was always trying to steer them more to the CDs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Danny probably bummed you out once. Wait, can I ask you, Jonah, what was the CD that you, like when you think of your time working there, like what was the album that you remember? Because I worked at the Borders in Seoul and and I always remember like (laughs) a Celine Dion album. I was only, I did holiday help there. So it was like the Celine Dion holiday album would play like crazy. I would just kind of direct people over to stuff that I liked. Like like Faith No More or like... (laughs) It's just so different from Celine Dion. That's why I'm like... Yeah, very different from Celine Dion. I was listening to like punk music, more aggressive stuff. And I felt like, you know, the one thing that came up so often was the Traveling Wilbury CD was out of print for a very long time. Like you could not find this thing anywhere. It's on streaming now and stuff, but it was some kind of licensing thing with Roy Orbison's estate. So I remember a lot of it being like, we don't have the Traveling Wilburys and we can't get it ever. 
Like, oh my God. Jonah, I'm certain that you probably would remember me coming in, like hiding a Celine Dion album underneath <laughs> something like that, or, or, you know, some some sort of like edgier thing, because I felt like that's how I, like, I'd want the Mariah Carey Butterfly album, but I'd have to buy Boys to Men. Yeah. As right. well. I, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't judging. I wouldn't have judged you. Aww. But if you asked me for a wreck, you know, I'd probably point you over to something that you hated. I'd be like, where's the Gloria Estefan section? Like, point me in that direction. Now, wait, Danny, did you say that you worked at Borders? I did, yeah. See, I only did like seasonal help there oh, over right. the holidays. That's, that's right. That's what you just said that. Okay, yeah. So what I wanted to say was, Jonah, is the Borders and Solon where you ran your scam? No. I think I tried it there. It didn't work. The one where the scam really took off was the one in Mayfield. Okay. Tell me the scam. What was the scam? Okay. I don't know if this would have worked the era you were there, but, and we've talked about this on multiple podcasts. <laughs> But it's worth repeating, especially because Danny worked there. Yeah. So we found this this sort of scam in the late 90s where we would go to Walden Books, on May, which was also on Mayfield, and they would have like five books for $20, like clearance hardcover books. And you could return stuff at Borders without a receipt for store credit. And so we would go in there with like a stack of five random hardcovers that we paid like 20 bucks for or $15 and get like $150 in store credit and just buy CDs because they had like a really good music section. And then I ended up getting busted by my friend's sister who was working there because I would started using a fake ID because I thought <laughs> that they were like tracing me and they would like, it would come back to me. <laughs> But and then I felt like the other stores caught on. But I got like tons of these really expensive import CDs, all this stuff. Did anyone ever try anything kind of fishy like that with you? Especially around the holidays. Yeah, I think I tried. I did fishy stuff like that <laughs> with like the Borders CDs. Like I remember going in the back room at Borders. They'd have all the extra stuff, so extra CDs, and they would usually be wrapped. And I, I'm sure that I took one to Walmart or Target to return sure. it for store credit or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but it's also reminded me of this thing that I don't know if you guys did this growing up, but when I was in high school, we had something called Teen Court, and it <laughs> no. was it was this the craziest sounds... thing okay. I ever. And I I feel like crazy when I think about it because I'm like, how did that go on? But <laughs> basically, when there'd be like petty crimes that teens did, they would get sent to Teen Court, and the yes. Teen Court jury would decide like what their sentence was for like community service hours and stuff. And was Teen Court at your school? No, it was at though the Solon um like city the hall. city hall. Okay, was the jury made up of adults or teens? It was teens, but like most of the <laughs> teens were doing it as their community service. So okay. like they would do something oh. bad in town, and then that was they would get sentenced to jury. But I did it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was just a really, uh, especially in high school, just overactive, like, signed up for, I, I did, like, every club and all that stuff. I was just, I don't know. So, so what was, like, a typical case and, like, you're on the jury for Teen Corps, what's what's going on? So the thing that I remember most and what kind of signaled this was there was someone, I, I'll never forget, she was on trial for stealing a Martina McBride CD from Kmart in Solon. Okay. And they would basically, like, assign attorneys to the teen, but they would be teen attorneys. Okay, just, <laughs> This sounds like okay. with no nuts. legal training. I'm surprised None. you weren't a teen attorney. It's, it sounds like you would have been great, but okay. Well, you, I know, I know. I think, I think so too, but I, and I would be like with, I would become friends with like the people on the jury. And I remember it, they were all doing it for community service. And then I was just like, oh, I'm here for fun. The only one for fun. But anyway, they would get like a teen attorney. And I remember the teen attorney who was 
I don't know, is it defended or trained? The person going against the teen who stole the Martina McBride CD. I remember she was in front of everyone and she goes, she could have had a gun. And then the gun went bang. And she was trying to say like that the teen could have had a gun and scared off someone at Kmart. Okay, are we, does this make sense so far? Yeah, it seems like sense. it seems like this makes sense, but also what that teen attorney was saying doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> exactly. So the teen attorney <laughs> said like, and then the gun would go bang. Okay, so she said it like that. <laughs> And it was kind of in this weird accent and I got the giggles, like the church giggles. Oh no. And then the rest of the jury who was there for community service, who really like did not want to be there. They, everyone started like laughing. And so we, like the whole jury has the church giggles and I, the person was on the, the stand for stealing a Martina McBride CD and it became this whole thing. And I had to stop going to teen court because I then became a disturbance because I was like, well, I, I couldn't watch this young woman attorney because she took it so seriously. And I, yeah. she created this story about a teen having a gun that didn't have, I should it reiterate wasn't that, part like of there it. was no guns. Like, yes. yes. There was nothing even remotely related to that. So yeah, I, I, anyway, that was... Wow. I just want to talk about teen court for this entire podcast. So do I. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. So was there then a teen judge who did the sentencing or... I don't remember. I, I think there was like someone in charge. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's, there had look, to have been. To be honest, it's all a little blurry. Like we're saying this and I even as I'm recollecting it, there, there was one other friend who was on the jury and we like talk about this story all the time. Like I feel like that's how we remember that this yeah. was a real thing because we always sort of laugh at the way that that young woman said that, which is not nice. But of course, teenagers are mean. That's, I'm so, well, it also seems like the sentencing couldn't have been like jail time or anything like that, because to get that kind of a serious sentence, you'd have to have an actual like jury and attorneys that were real as opposed, like, it was, so was it mostly sentencing to a certain amount of community service? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like a very specific, <laughs> it, the jury got to basically decide between like three different options of community okay. service. So I think it was maybe like five hours, 10 hours or 20 hours, like, and then okay. that's what we would decide. And so there wasn't much stakes. And so I really don't even know like why I was there. Yeah. Or like, I mean, I think I, I was so... Involved in school, I think it was just like oh, yeah, I gotta, a great thing a for your for do. your resume. What was the vibe of the jurors? I guess like because unlike you who were there by choice, if you were kind of mandated to be there, were they more like oh let's give them a break because like I could be in this position, or was it more like I got in trouble, they should be in trouble? It was a lot of like people who didn't want to be there at all, and okay. it was the easiest way. Like it was the easiest route of like they were determined that they got ten hours of community service. Let's say then it was easiest for them to just sign up while there to do the jury work. Do you know what I mean? Got it, like, got it, got it. So okay. they then had it planned out of like, they would come to teen court for three weeks or something. Because it was, I think, once a week or something. Yeah. Wow. It seems better than picking up garbage or whatever, right? Yeah. I wonder if they still do it. We didn't have that. We didn't have no. any kind of a teen court. Well, I, I mean, why should anyone have it? It doesn't <laughs> even make any sense because, yeah, the people, other people in charge should be sentencing people for crimes. <laughs> right, right. And the only one I really remember, the only crime that I can remember was the Martina McBride CD because we thought it was so funny because, yeah, it, everyone, also that was the other funny thing was like everyone's taking it so, like the people who aren't there because they're forced to be, they were taking it so seriously. So like the fake teen attorney was like so serious about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, the ironic part is that we had so many used Martina McBride CDs at the record exchange. She probably could have oh. got one for like $2. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> it was so crazy. So Did you guys sad. ever steal anything? Like, I mean, obviously, Jonah, you stole. Oh, so technically, Danny, I would not say this is stealing because <laughs> you, and this is, I had this conversation so many times with my friend Dan when we were doing it. We'd be like, well, because we'd be like, I got this book as a gift, but I don't know where my aunt got it from and I don't have the receipt. And they'd be like, okay. Like, there was no. So I was like, well, technically, I could have gotten this book on furniture making from my aunt and not known where she got it. So technically, to me, it didn't feel like stealing. I think it's a bit of a gray area, but I never really did taking stuff off a shelf or anything. I think I was too scared, probably. I got it out of my system real early in kindergarten because (laughs) my friend and I stole lunch money from another friend. Okay. I think I've talked about this on here before and given their names, but I don't know why today I feel like protecting them. Her milk money, excuse me. We stole her milk money. So we stole like 15 cents from her or something. And then when she couldn't find her money, we went up to the kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Roman, and we were like, we don't think that Ashley should... Oh, because oh, Mrs. Roman gave her juice instead because she couldn't find her milk money. And we were like, um, Mrs. Roman, we don't really think that Ashley should get any kind of a drink because she forgot her milk money and that's kind of like her fault. So it's like, why are you giving her juice? Because it's like, she needs to like learn a lesson from this. And I remember Mrs. Roman, I still kind of remember her being like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, who cares? Like, get out of my face. (laughs) So then I came home from school and I told our mom about it right away. Like, it was like the first thing I said to her. I was like, we stole Ashley's milk money. I feel so bad. Like, I don't know what to do, you know? And my mom gave me this whole talk. Instead of yelling at me, she gave me this talk about, you know, there's something on your shoulder and it's called your conscience. And it tells you if something you did is right or wrong. And she was like, what do you think it is? And I said, I think what I did was wrong. And she said, what do you think you should do about it? And I said, I think I should apologize to Ashley tomorrow and give her back her lunch money. Shout out to Ashley Cameron, whose lunch money I stole. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I give it back. So then the next day I went into school and I apologized to her and I said, I'm so sorry. I took your money and here you go. And then my friend who had also taken her money was like, yeah, I'm really sorry too. And I'm going to bring your money back tomorrow. (laughs) So we gave her back her 15 cents or whatever. And then I sort of never stole again. Now, this is a little different. It's a little different to steal from a person than it is to steal from a store because it feels, a store feels more like a victimless crime, you know? Although, look, did the borders stay open much longer after Jonah pulled a scam? I'll give it two years. It did close, but we don't know how much I affected that, but probably didn't help. But that was the time I, that was the one kind of time I stole. Now, Danny, have you stolen? No, the only thing I remember was my grandma, both grandmas were so different, but my mom's mom, she would like encourage stealing at the grocery store at those like candy stations. Do you remember yeah. how like oh, yeah. sometimes <laughs> yes. like wrap candy? Actually, so would our mom. She'd be like, just take one. <laughs> like the bulk yeah. candy? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, where you'd fill it up in a bag. And she would always just say, like, take it. Or she would even just, like, she would take it and then give it to me. And I remember having a moment when I got a little older being like, is that stealing? And I asked my mom and she, my mom's like, yeah, you can't just take that candy. But then my grandma was like, it's okay. And so I... I think of her every time I see wrapped candy. And, you know, I think that was at a specific grocery store that used to be on Chagrin. There was this grocery store, and I want to say it was called Gales or something. Finest? Was it? I, I was thinking of Finest. Was it Finest? Finest? And it was like near where Corky and Lenny's and all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. And it had sort of this really old school. That's where we would take oh candy from, too. It had this really old school, because you wouldn't take it from like Mally's, because that feels too fancy and their eyes are really on you. It's a small chocolate store store and you're not going to... 
But it feels like at finest, I guess it was probably at they you it was just this huge kind of grocery store thing and it just had a wall of it and you were just like no one's ever gonna i remember taking malt balls with our mom and just like putting them in my mouth they had these like uh, these big gummy bears they were like oversized gummy bears that were wrapped they were my favorite but wait we definitely all put finest out of business because they closed (laughs) shortly thereafter so i think that was a problem (laughs) but vanessa you brought up this place called mally's chocolates and i'm like obsessed with mally's i order it for here and i even sent Molly Shannon, some Mally's chocolate one time. Oh my God. But I like love That's such a good idea. I want to do that. Yeah. But I also felt bad because it was warm and I I don't know if it arrived melted. I feel like it arrived melted. (laughs) But I'm obsessed with this chocolate tier that's out of Ohio and they sell. And I'm curious if you guys remember this. But not Mally's because Mally's is still there. Mally's is still open. But I'm I'm curious if you both remember that Mally's still to this day, they sell these bunny rabbits on motorcycles for Easter. (laughs) And I think they're like so funny. (laughs) And every time I try to talk about them, it doesn't make any sense to people because I'm trying to say for Easter, they sell a lot of religious chocolates too. You could buy like crosses and stuff that are chocolate, but they sell these bunny rabbits on motorcycles. And I always think of Mally's. I always think of this around Easter. Do you remember these? I don't remember though. I just remember you could get a letter for like your first name. That was the big thing. That was always my holiday gift hack when I was a kid. Because you know when you're a kid, like you don't exactly know how to buy gifts for your family because you don't have your own money yet, really. And Or if you do, it's like your allowance and it's like you can't really buy big gifts. So you're like, what, what, what am I going to get? So I would go to families and I would get... Because I would want to get my mom something more fashion-y. So I would usually get her something not from Mally's. Although sometimes I think I would get her those Mally's roses, which were basically <laughs> the only part that was chocolate was the actual rose. It's like the flower itself, the but it was so hollow. It was like they weighed like t- like, they, like they weighed nothing because the, the bud was so hollow. But I would go and I would try and get a big J for Jonah, a big chocolate J, and a big chocolate T for my dad, Todd. And then if they were out of them, I would just get them Bs for Bayer. So I just oh. remember being like, well, I guess I've absolutely nailed it. And I'd get these like big chocolate <laughs> letters. And then as I got older and a little bit more sophisticated, once in a while, I'd go to Saks Fifth Avenue and Beachwood Place and I would get the... <laughs> chocolate and caramel covered apples, which were the only thing I could afford at Saks. And they were probably like $14 or something like that. And that was my glow up, as we say. But no, I don't remember. I just remember you're right, though. They had such specific things at Mally's every year. And yeah. Their chocolates are just strange shapes because I truly believe everyone should have like a a good chocolatier for special occasions and for gift giving. I think you like you should have... But I don't think any chocolatier does it like Mally's because they do just like make <laughs> shit into weird shapes and, yeah. and like weird things that if you go to another chocolatier, like you're not going to just be able to get like solid milk chocolate like <laughs> that's Easter bunnies riding a motorcycle or I don't know, crosses and I, they have just like weird stuff. And yes. letters B, which I thought you were going to say for boys. Like I thought <laughs> the boys in the family got <laughs> the B's. Probably did cross my mind. Probably did cross my mind. But yeah, a big chocolate letter, I felt. Because the other thing that I'm sure you remember, the way they would wrap them is it almost looked like a chocolate letter in a frame. Like the the front of the box mm-hmm. was clear. So you could see the presentation was quite nice. Yeah, and it was personal. The letter It was personal. It made you feel very special to get <laughs> 
to get a big letter J. <laughs> Along the lines of what you're talking about, Danny, I noticed that the Rite Aid near me every Easter sells chocolate bunnies holding cell phones. It's something we featured on a project that I did. <laughs> it is funny to really put those bunnies in have them be cool. Right, right. Because who wants those those old school bunnies that are just for Easter, a chocolate bunny that's like just doing nothing, just sitting there. I'd much rather see them active and like yeah. on cell phones or riding motorcycles. <laughs> give, me, give me them doing anything. I also love at a chocolate shop when they do those, and maybe Trader Joe's does this too, but where it's like the mess ups all in a bag. Do you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> the mess up potato chips, or chocolate covered potato chips with the messed up, chocolate covered pretzels and the messed up chocolate mints. Like I love when, and I think Mally's called them, calls them like uh-ohs or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. I love an uh-oh. And weren't there always sort of older women working there? Because I feel like I remember trying to engage them if I were to be selling a Girl Scout cookie or something like that. Like, oh, you know what I think we used to bug them with? <laughs> Which this is another topic for another day. Did your school have the thing where once a year for the PTA, you had to sell, you got that catalog around the holidays and you could buy like barrels of like pails of cheese and wrapping like paper. Popcorn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like flavored pot. Yeah. We sold a strudel once like through my school it, or it was like a an apple. Yeah. It was like some weird apple turnover thing that was frozen that you'd have to heat. And that was like our big fundraiser for the holidays. <laughs> one year and like nobody wanted them. We had like a whole catalog of stuff. And I remember the richest kids would always sell the most stuff, not only because their parents were rich and would buy a lot of stuff, but because usually their parent was the CEO or like head of a really large company and would make all of their like buy stuff. I feel like I'm only kind of realizing that now, but it always would feel like a little weird going into Mally's with like, do you want to buy this other stuff? What in this catalog I'm handing you could beat anything here at Mally's that you already right. have in your own backyard. By the way, just while we're here, I have to mention that I think it's inappropriate now. Kids, my nieces and nephews don't have to go to door to door anymore. Like they right. do these like magazine sales or they do right. whatever. And I just get an email from them that says like, do you want to buy, you know, her Girl Scout cookies or whatever it is that they're selling, the gift wrap paper. Yeah. And I'm like, the kids don't even have to call me now. I'm like, yeah. somebody's, I feel like they, we had to do a hard sell. Like we had to go door to door and like beg people to buy a year of Reader's Digest. And now they just send an email. Yeah. Yeah. It's not right. You know, right. sometimes I see people selling stuff. I will say like Girl Scout cookies and stuff, kids will be selling them on the day that there's like a farmer's market in my neighborhood. And I go... Is that okay? Because it's sure. sort of like, you know, it's sort of like we're trying to support these smaller businesses and here you come in, Girl Scouts of America, trying to take all their, anyway. Yeah, but you can't resist those Thin Mints. Yeah. You can't. You can't resist those Thin Mints and that's the truth. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial <laughs> break. We'll be right back with Danny Pellegrino. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, and we're back. And now, Danny, before we move on to our topic, I have to ask you about one more Cleveland thing. Please. When you were a preteen and a teen, was this a big thing for you? Because Jonah, I don't think, was as into doing this as I was. We would go see movies at the Solon Movie Theater, and then we would absolutely have to go hang out at Cappuccino's. Yeah, Cappuccino's the restaurant. Yes. It was like you could get a cappuccino and kids would sort of get in like little fights there. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, 100% we went to Cappuccino's. And it yep. felt very adult. Yeah, and there was a Jimmy Dodonna's right next yes! door. We used oh, to get yeah. pasta to go from Jimmy Dodonna's for dinner sometimes. When our parents would pick that up, it was like, this rocks. It was so much oil. It was just like, by the time it got to our house, it was It just... would be like, yeah, one of those clamshell kind of styrofoam <laughs> things like that weighed 40 pounds full of pasta. <laughs> yeah. God, I miss Ohio food. That's the thing I, I miss the most. Oh. It's like, yeah, everything is heavy and just loaded with sauce. One of my very best friends, who's still to this day, her name is Beth, but she, her aunt and uncle owned those movie theaters. So it was like the Soul in One, the Chagrin Falls Whoa. Theater. And so she had, it was like the coolest thing. She, and still to this day probably has it, but like a card that could get you unlimited movies oh and her God. and a guest. And it was like the best thing. And I, she's the best, but yeah, I always think of that. You know, uh, one time but, I tried to sneak in with my friends to see Fear, the- Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg movie. And we sort of got there a little late. It was a rated R movie and we weren't old enough to see it. So we bought a ticket for James and the Giant Peach. And we said like, yeah. And even though James and the Giant Peach had started like way long, you know, before we got there. And then we like, you know, started walking towards James and the Giant Peach. And then we pivoted and we went in to see Fear. And they immediately caught us and they kicked us out. And I said, I said, you're going to... 
<laughs> so, you're going to regret this. My dad is a lawyer. He's not. But then I was like, dad, they took our money. Like they didn't give us, they could have refunded our tickets. They like took our money and they wouldn't let us go. And you have to go there and you have to pretend you're a lawyer. <laughs> and you have to ask for our money back. And he did it. <laughs> oh my God. That's a good dad. He did. Uh, he said that he like really, I think the way that he did it was he really played on their emotion. He was like, they're kids. They didn't know what they were doing. Like, they're so, sorry, but can they have their money back? It's like their money, you know, like. How old were you at the time? Probably. I think I was probably like, well, and maybe 11 and we got our money back. And isn't that so funny that I, oh that. That I Wait, said did he my go down so- that night, like right away? No, he went because he worked in Seoul and he went or near Seoul and he went the next week and he got, got our it. or he got us passes or something. He got us so that got we it. had the equivalent of a, a new ticket that we could use for Aww. a movie that was age appropriate. But was it a thing? Am I making this up? Was it a thing that you could have like a parent sign you into a rated R movie back in the day? Was that a thing? I think so. I think as long as you were with someone who was over 18, yes. it was okay. okay. I think so. so. Sometimes like an 18 plus person could like come in with us and then leave or something I, yeah yeah i, I think so there was like some workaround of. i remember it was a little yeah, yeah yeah but vanessa i'm surprised you got caught because i actually used to i didn't think i did a lot of scams but when i lived in new york i used to go to that movie theater on union square and then i'd go to like the 10 a.m movie the first movie and then i would go to at least one or two other movies afterwards once i was in because they had like this board with all the times Again, Jonah, I know you're not considering it stealing, but this sounds stealing. <laughs> well, I guess I was sort of like, I, and I think I had movie pass at that time. Do you remember that? You could see like yes. unlimited movies for like $5 a month or something. It was like, okay, I would buy see, the ticket with my movie pass and then I would just like hang out in the theater for like the whole day. And I was like, well, I'm already here. What's the difference? Right, 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 right. It doesn't cost them more. You're like, I, I went to an open house once and now I just, I stayed at the open house and now I'm just living here for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. But I remember once I'd like snuck into this movie and it was like a 3D movie and I didn't have the glasses. And so it was like kind of hard for me to watch and I had to go get the, I had to pretend like I forgot them. And it was, it was, it was a lot of work for, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't count that as stealing. No, I, I yeah. I mean, all of them are a little iffy, Jonah, if we're being honest. <laughs> But I'm not judging. Thank you, Danny. So, yeah, getting into our topic today, you picked Happy Meal Toys. You know, figures right into our our episode today. And what's kind of your connection with them? Why why did you kind of think about that topic? Well, I love Happy Meal Toys. And I'm in my office right now. And my whole office is like loaded with a lot of nostalgia stuff from my childhood. Because we didn't have a lot of money. And I was the youngest of three boys. So, like... I would get a lot of hand-me-down stuff. So there were always Mm -hmm. these toys and stuff that I wanted, whether they be normal size toys or like Happy Meal stuff that I wanted so badly. And as I got older, I started to realize, oh, I can get these myself now on eBay. So like I, (laughs) it's become a bit of a problem. Like my boyfriend will get, we'll get a package at the door and he's like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's a Rugrats watch from Burger King or, (laughs) you know, like just the strangest things will come. But I love the Happy Meal toys. So there were... I had a few like these ones I just pulled right before we started recording here. Oh I like gosh. these Tiny Toons racers. They're like, <laughs> I had these when I was a kid and I just got the rest of the set recently as an adult. Oh my gosh. But they flip. So they're two characters in one race car. So they Wait, flip. will you show us again how it flips? 
Yes. Okay. So this is Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons Adventures in the nineties. The head would go in in the okay. car, and then you could flip this way, and it's. Oh, a you different flip the character. car around, and there's a different character on yes, the other. You, so there's different character on the other side, and see, there's I have four of them. So this one, oh my God, Bunny on one way, and, and you literally flip down. the car upside down, and then on the other side is oh my God, Lucky Duck. So that was just one, but there were so many. I mean, I, and even now on, you know how TikTok like decides the algorithm for you or whatever. My whole algorithm now on TikTok is just people who have Happy Meal toys <laughs> and like nostalgic toys. And I, it's dangerous for me because I'll see them and then I'll go on eBay. I'll be like, you I need buy- that. I have such a different problem just to say really quickly. I have started... My whole algorithm now is recipes you make with cottage cheese. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I really so love specific. cottage cheese and I started watching it. And now every day I get a recipe with cottage cheese and I'm like, oh, I got a text this to myself. I got to save this. Anyway, so you're getting a lot of... <laughs> nostalgic toy content. Nostalgic toy content. I need to find the cottage cheese talk because <laughs> it's too much. They're saying a lot that you should blend, like mix up the cottage cheese so it becomes smooth. And then it's almost like this creamy topping you can put on and into things. But to go back to Happy Meal toys, so do you, do you remember? Did you ever have like a favorite? Yeah, these cars were up these there those cars for me. those cars were up there. There was like a uh, I loved Muppet Babies and Muppets, yes. and um, yeah. there was uh, one that I I don't know if it's be considered a Happy Meal toy, but it was like one of those bonus you had to spend like a dollar ninety nine extra or something for it. Do you know how they do that sometimes? It's yes. like a premium toy. But they had when Muppet Family Christmas, which was this Muppet Christmas special that aired in like 89 or or maybe even earlier than that. My mom got me the Fozzie Bear one. And it was like, my that was like my oh. stuffed animal. You know how you had one that you were obsessed with? That was like the Fozzie Bear McDonald's. It was technically a Happy Meal-ish, but that was my favorite one. Yeah. And I still have my dog bit off the nose at one point. So then now it just has no nose. Okay. And that was devastating to me. That's right. Of course. Of yeah. course. But I bought a backup recently. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, and I don't know if this is technically a Happy Meal toy, but I was reading about it. And we had a Vanessa. Remember McDonald's had their whole menu set to like as a song and it was on this flexi disc like vinyl you could play? Whoa. It was like Big Mac Filet. Fit. Do you remember oh, this? Oh, yeah. Standing? We would try and memorize We'd it. We'd memorize it. And I guess it was a contest. And I read that it was from 88 to 89. And one of them, it said, call this number and you could win a million dollars. And this kid, there was an article recently about this guy who won a million dollars. He found he it. did? Yeah. Is it in the 80s as a kid. But yeah, I remember listening to that Flexi record all the time. And I, I think it came with something at McDonald's. You'd try it. I remember us trying try to, to memorize, memorize it. it. Yeah. Which is like the greatest marketing ever, right? We're just memorizing this like chain's menu. A chant. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was like big Mac filet of fish. Da, 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 da. Like, I don't even remember what came after that. Yeah. Wow. Later, years later, Pizza Hut did like a music giveaway where you, this was like late 90s, you would go on their website and they would have like 15 songs and you got to select three for a CD that would come with your pizza. Do you remember this? <laughs> And no. they would they would be like NSYNC B-sides or they would be, okay. you know, not singles. They were just random track, but, uh, album tracks. And yeah, you got to like select three and then you could title the name of it. I think this was like 99. You could title the name of it. And then it was so amazing because then the CD would come with your pizza and That's it would play so these cool. three songs. Do you remember the Pizza Hut? You probably went to the same one we did. I wonder if Pizza Hut still exists the same way where... 
We really used it as a restaurant, mostly. We barely ever ordered out from there, got it delivered. And we would go into that one pizza hut and there was a big salad bar there. A jukebox. Yeah, there was a big jukebox. I think there's some video games. You had everything you needed for sure. It was definitely more of a sit down. The one yeah. you're talking about, or the in yes. our area, it was definitely more like a sit down. I don't remember people ordering delivery from Pizza Hut. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a fancy. That was. It like, was kind of nice. Yeah. Take your bucket list, or take your bucket, your bucket list. Get your personal pan pizza uh-huh. that you've earned. Yeah. You get a quarter for the jukebox and play some Ace of Base or something. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! How fun now. To go back to these Happy Meal toys, you also mentioned Teeny Beanie Babies. When did that kind of start to play into the equation of the Happy Meal toy? Okay, so Teeny Beanie Babies are 97. That was like the first iteration. And then the second iteration was 98. And that was when it was like the biggest of big, the Beanie Babies. So 98 (laughs) was like the really, the year for those. But the first round that they did at McDonald's was 97. And I'm I'm so fascinated by the whole beanie saga i think it's fascinating how we were also obsessed and then for them to be able to capitalize so hugely on teeny versions of those which were so cheap and (laughs) but i was yeah yeah, we all wanted i have my big size beanie baby at my desk oh i don't have a teeny i love that yeah it's a pelican (laughs) it's a pelican i was gonna say it looks like a yeah it was interesting so were the teeny beanie babies tied into different shows and movies and stuff or were they just no they were just it was just small versions of like the ones that were already popular but i remember it was um not every store would get like all of them so that's why it became such a thing they sort of purposely made it i think so you had to go around to different mcdonald's to get them and so at that time in like the late 90s people were going nuts for those and like driving to different towns and we we didn't really have the internet in the way that we do now so yeah, it was like the people who were looking for those were crazy. And I, I read a story. I don't know if this was for the regular size Beanie Babies or the teeny Beanie Babies, but there was like a murder when somebody was trying to like steal them off a truck or something. Oh, wow. some people have to fact check that. But I, think, <laughs> I hope I didn't just make that up, but I think it happened. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of is, I can't remember if it was Burger King McDonald's. They had that Monopoly game, right? Where you would get McDonald's. Yes. McDonald's. Yeah. Okay. And I remember being on tour with, with my friend's band, uh, Limbeck, and we were in Canada with a friend of ours, John Cheese, and we were up there and we were like, we should go get some stamps in Canada because it's a different country. And so they probably have like all different... So you all think the ones you're that- gaming the system. Yes. 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 When in yes. fact, it was impossible to win. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, they'll have different ones. So if we get... We had all these US <laughs> ones. We were like, we'll get the Canadian ones and we'll like get this. So I remember us actually like digging through a garbage can outside oh of God, McDonald's because we couldn't like they were closed or something we were like well there's probably like people are just throwing them out and I remember and spoiler alert we didn't find any and the ones we got were exactly the same ones we got in the US oh my it's God. so wild that you did that as adults like I know you are young adults but adults nonetheless living on your own Probably in our 20s, but yeah, I mean, it was still, I don't know, for a million bucks, dig through some McDonald's trash seems worth it. The sick thing is I really recognize that line of thinking of, oh, I'm in a different spot. Like, of course they'll have, like, that's how people win the million dollars. It's like they have to travel the country or the world. Yeah, and get the the big monopoly stamps from other places. It's such a funny sentiment because it just seems so obvious that they would like 
like you you're thinking like no one else would think of doing this <laughs> <laughs> but of course it's like not that it's like canada it's like right next it's just so funny but we were like oh we're on to something really gonna, really yeah. smart I really think one of the things that's missing from like the new young generation is like they don't have, I guess they have NFTs, but we had so many different forms of currency. Like remember Pepsi and Coke, they would, you would collect their bottle tops and those would have like points on them. And then you'd, or my dad smoked cigarettes and I remember his Marlboro lights or whatever, like the more boxes he got, you could collect those. So I would cut, I would cut the boxes of his cigarettes to get like a beach towel that said Marlboro light on it. Yes. A hundred percent. Jonah used to do that. I used to do. I mean, I guess. Um. I yeah. I didn't even smoke yet. Somehow, I had all these miles. We always subscribed to Rolling Stone, and there were always ads where you could cut stuff out. You could cut stuff out, but I guess you know there has been some controversy about Happy Meal toys, specifically bans on them. Like in 2010, San Francisco tried to ban them because of the child obesity epidemic. They you know said. If they had like a certain amount of calories and sodium, you couldn't put toys in them. So I guess McDonald's just started charging 10 cents for the toys. And so then they could do whatever they wanted. There has been some kind of controversy about the Happy Meal toys over the years. I think it's up to like the kid and the parent to know that like it's not healthy food to be eating. Yeah, right. Did you guys watch in school the McDonald's documentary? I remember the Super Size Me. Do you know what that documentary? We didn't watch I watched it in school, it, but, but I remember school. watching yeah. it on my own time. We're probably a little <laughs> older than you. And can you believe we we took no? It good for that guy. I watched it in high school, like it was part of health class to watch wow. really that documentary. That's good. Yeah, I guess it was good. That's because I feel like the awareness of fast food being really unhealthy wasn't really a thing for me until later in life. Yeah, I think I knew it was unhealthy. I think I felt like that documentary in particular, there was always something, and all respect to the guy who did it, I'm blanking on his name. There was always something a little bit like, why am I watching this to it? It's like, of course, if you eat stuff that's so high in fat and sodium and stuff and you eat it for every meal and you weren't doing that before, your health is going to decline. But I guess the point he was making as I'm saying it is just that a lot of people, that's kind of their daily. I always was like, I wish this the premise was tweaked a little. I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like saying like, but I guess it's it's for people like Jonah who didn't know that how bad it is for you. Because to me, I always knew it was bad for you. So it's like, yeah, if you eat cake for every meal, yeah. you're probably going to have like high cholesterol or whatever. I remember thinking the outcome didn't seem that bad. Like as, <laughs> yes, as a I kid, I was like, too. oh, it's, okay. Like that's all that, like <laughs> it, it, <laughs> looking back now, it's probably bad. But at that time, I as was a like, kid, oh, this yeah. sounds great. Like he didn't, he looks great. Like <laughs> He saved so much money on food. And I guess cheap. he looks like he's gained a little bit of weight, but he looks pretty good. Like he looked good. I mean, I, I bet you if we were to go back and look by the end of that movie, I, I don't know that he'd look that bad. Like, I think he looked fine. <laughs> yeah, he's getting a lot of protein. Justice, what's his name? Is I want to say Jared, but that's the subway I thought guy. it was Morgan something. Mor- yeah, Morgan, Morgan Spurlock. Morgan. Yeah, yeah. And he did like a follow-up years later where he ate it again or something. I don't Which know. I don't, I don't know. I think there it's, was some controversial stuff with him too at some point. I can't remember the exact story. But then there was also Doug Benson did a spinoff Super High Me where I think he tried to like smoke weed every day. Okay. I love that. It seems like you can do anything in Hollywood. But yeah, it, it um. should be. <laughs> also, I love the idea that like he did that documentary and then it somehow took off. Like that. Oh, yeah. 
I don't remember much at that time taking off in that way. Like, yeah, it was like that and Tybo. Like that was like the two tapes everybody. There had. like weren't documentary. I mean, there were documentaries, of course, but they were mostly. I think they must have been mostly about nature or something. That one was just more sensationalized, and I think yeah, younger people were able to kind of latch on to it because they're like, oh my god, McDonald's Arch. Yeah. Yes. But. Yeah, I still, I think most people still ate McDonald's. They were just like, you, Vanessa, saying like, oh, I knew that that wasn't good for like, me. Like, I just won't eat it every meal for every day for like years. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of McDonald's, back to these Happy Meal toys. I Jonah love did, that you two did McDonald's research. Jonah, like, Jonah <laughs> really did th- this time and he found the most expensive. Do you want to hear some of the most expensive Happy Meal toys of all time? Like on the dark web, like how to order them on eBay or something? Like what is worth the most I don't money have access now, to these ha- toys. If you have them, right. Okay. Well, but you could probably find it. Some of these Beanie Babies, a set could be 650 bucks. Doesn't sound like that much, I guess, but Mighty Morphin Power Rangers can we'll go take- for 500 Did you have one of those? So I was obsessed with Power Rangers and they had a couple different McDonald's things. They did like the TV version where they had different toys and then they had the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movie had all these toys. And one of the movie toys was like a watch, a communicator watch. And I wanted it so bad. Like that was one of those, like I mentioned earlier, where it was like my mom was like, we're not going, you're not getting that. And I ordered it recently. This is so embarrassing because I really thought it'd be cool (laughs) to wear the communicator (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the communicator watch in present day, like with an out, like I thought it'd be like a yeah. fun thing to put with an sure. outfit, you know, like yeah. as a watch. But sure, it's nostalgic little hint, like a little hint that maybe somebody would see, and I a good talking piece or whatever. But then I got it, and I was so mad because it it was made for children. That's I thought you might say this, so it was so small. <laughs> it didn't fit on my wrist. I was like so upset this one day when it came in the mail. I was like <laughs> asking my boyfriend, like, how can we, is there a way to like extend it or something? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, that's a lot, but that just r- reminded me recently. But I remember those Power Ranger toys vividly because I wanted them all so badly because they were just, that was it for me. Danny, let me ask you this. Like, how does it feel for you as an adult being able to get these toys that maybe you weren't able to obtain as a kid? Like, what does that kind of feel like for you? emotionally. It feels great. Weirdly enough, I I don't mean this to plug my book, but I have a book coming out in October called The Jolliest Bunch. And there's a chapter in it about this this Now and Then book, which is also, I'm I'm at my desk, so I have all... Do you remember the movie Now and Then? Of course. It used to be our reward at overnight camp. If our cabin, like one cleanest cabin or whatever, we could go into the lodge and watch it. And we watched it and they never, they oddly never changed the movie that was the prize. So I watched it many times because... Spoiler alert, we had a pretty good cabin. Go ahead, sorry. It was just so good, but it's a female-centric movie. Like, it's about young women. And I bring it up because I wanted this book so badly from the Scholastic Book Fair, and all the girls in my class were getting it. And I wanted it, but I was too embarrassed because I was glad I didn't come out until my 20s. And I was closeted and always trying to sort of mask those things that were those interests that I had that were more feminine. And so to kind of answer your question, being able to get stuff like that, where it was like, not necessarily like the Power Ranger stuff that I wanted, that my mom was just like, you're not getting it. Although I think that has also value too, as an adult to be able to say, okay, I wanted, I can take some ownership and, and I, I'm an adult now. I can do what I want with my money yeah, and whatever. Yeah. But with certain things like the, 
more feminine things, or I mentioned that Fozzie Bear McDonald's thing. As an adult, getting the Miss Piggy one, which I wanted as a kid from McDonald's as well. That was a very emotional, and so I write about this, about getting this now and then book as an adult, because I wanted it so bad. I remember when all the other girls would have it and it looked like so fun to me. It looked, yeah. I love, I snuck that movie. And so I loved that movie. And then so did all the young girls in class, but I could never talk about it with them. I never felt comfortable talking about it. And so certain things like that, I feel like I have a huge emotional attachment to as an adult getting. I don't want to become a hoarder. I hope your listeners like he's becoming no, a hoarder. No, no, and- <laughs> no, no, no. It's it, no. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> you're not getting everything. You're just getting these specific no, things that specific. were meaningful to you. And yeah. there's it just happens to be several of them. That is so nice though. That's really it, it must feel so nice the Miss Piggy and all of it to to be able to get that stuff now and and to just embrace the kind of pop culture things that you like or yeah. the toys that you like or or whatever. But but there is power, I think, in anything from your childhood that you felt was maybe out of your reach or a place you couldn't go to that you wanted to go. I remember like New York was so um, yes, yeah, so crazy to me that people could just go to New York. And so as an adult, then being able to go, you're like, oh my God, I can do this on my own now. And yeah. there's so much value in that, I think. Do you know the first time I visited New York, it was with our mom and we were visiting our grandparents in Philadelphia. And then my mom and I went to New York for like a few nights and we stayed with my dad's cousin, Nina. And when we came back to Cleveland, I had like this big meltdown and I was like, I hate living in Cleveland. It's like such a small town. Like I was like, someday I'm going to live in New York. Like I can't even stand it here. There's like nothing to do. There's no culture. I hate it here. And I like, and mom and dad had to like calm me down. And I was like, I want to move to New York now. And they were like, you can't, but you can move there as soon as you're, you know, as soon as you're an adult, you can move there. And I was like, it's going to take too long. (laughs) What's funny is that I was at Borders trying not to get discovered. <laughs> you were hiding. <laughs> oh my God. I'm such a nostalgia junkie. Of course, that's why I was so excited to come talk to you both. To this day, I, like I said, my office is filled with it because it just brings me joy. And I, I feel like a lot of the, whether I'm writing something or whatever, I, I think a lot of the toys and the Happy Meal toys and stuff, not only is it like we talked about, but I also think it kind of takes you back. It's like a quick little time machine yes. to remind you of like the things that excited you as a kid. Like what in storytelling yes. or whatever, like what, what inspired you when you were a child that totally. maybe you could take into present day. Yes, 100%. Yeah, it's very, it really transports you back in such a fun way and it's inspiring. And Can I show you one it. other nostalgia thing Please. at the desk? I know this isn't a video podcast, but this is another Power Ranger thing that I just got. Oh my it's gosh. called a room protector. So your listeners will be able to hear this in a second, but I, I ordered this online and I promise I'm not a full hoarder, but this scares people. So when you turn it on, I scared my boyfriend with this because it shouts at you when you walk past it Whoa. in the room. And hold on, I'm going to play it for everybody. It said, um, this room is protected by the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then it's like, these noises come out and he's scared. He got so scared by it. And it, does it have a motion sensor on it or it's it, like a motion? Oh my sensor. God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyway, I had to show that. That's incredible. It's good for scaring people. I love that you have that. It seems like a very nice piece. Useful tool. Useful, Useful tool. tool. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with Danny Pellegrino. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. we're back. Now, Danny, we're going to play a game with you. And I wonder if you might be our first guest ever who's familiar with what this game is referencing, which is this game is called Legit Moan or Unnecessary Groan. Legit Moan. Unnecessary Groan. This segment is inspired by, do you remember the Monday moaning segment of The Plain Dealer? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you know, people would write in with petty complaints and stuff. Jonah and I found it to be so funny when we were kids. Yeah. I know what it is, but okay. I don't remember like reading. I'm sure I've read it, but I don't remember any specifics. Okay. Well, it went away about 10 years ago. I think people, as it seems... the plain, newspapers? It's, yeah. It <laughs> seems like The Plain Dealer is sort of Cleveland.com now. Yeah. It still exists. But anyways, there's an archive of these Monday morning complaints. And so we're going to read you three of them. And after we read each one, we're going to decide whether it's a legit moan or an unnecessary groan. Like, it's, it doesn't matter. Okay. So I'll read this first one. It says... I just discovered that I have about six, quote, real yellow pages, and they are multiplying as I speak. <laughs> However, I don't have one white page phone book that has residential addresses and phone numbers. I called AT&T and they said the phone books are not automatically delivered. Dash, dash, you have to request them, which I did. Who knew that? I'm still waiting on the white pages that I requested over six weeks ago. 
I side with the moaner. Okay. Yeah. I think they were right. Yeah. 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 I agree with Danny. I think that this is... Yeah, I always thought that you got these automatically. So did I. didn't think you'd request them. And it does feel like the quote-unquote real yellow pages. Yeah, maybe that was like all these businesses just like sending books. There should be one of each and you should get them both. But yeah, I get it being frustrated getting all these yellow pages, no white pages. What if you got to call someone, you don't have their info. Do you think the yellow pages and the white pages, do they still exist? I don't know. I was going to say you could probably request it, but then also who do you request it from? So for our listeners who are Gen Z, (laughs) yellow pages was this huge, thick phone book that had businesses in it. And white pages was this huge, thick phone book that had residential, like you would look people up by their last names. With the white pages, you kind of had to opt out. Like, I think you were in it unless you said like, oh, I have an unlisted number. But you know what's interesting is that I don't even have a home phone number. Like, I don't know. Right. Were cell phones ever in white pages? Were those? No, I don't think so. No. No. Well, I think with that moaner, didn't she say she's got a bunch of the yellow pages yeah. ones? And it's like, those are were also all advertisements. Yes. So it's like, right. yes. If you want me to be advertised to, then I feel like you owe me at least the white pages. Like that's, yeah, right? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, and probably it's just really expensive to print that. Like remember how big the, those things were? Like they were like 2,000 pages. Yeah. Like they're probably just expensive and probably everyone just throws them out or recycles them. Yeah. So yeah, I think they're kind of phased out. But I think it's legit at this time. Yes. Now maybe not as much. Yeah, you want the real phone book. You don't want just this thing full of advertisements and businesses that, you know. Yeah. And that could be useful sometimes, like if you needed to get a hold of Jimmy Dodonis to order a pizza or something. Exactly. And sure, by sure. the way, I just remembered, I just had a flash of this thing. Do you remember we had this like coupon book in dad's car yes. that had, yeah, do you remember that? What like was it? Thick, yeah, it was like a, it was a thick little entertainment, silver entertainment book. Yes. Yeah, and yes. it had different yes, categories. Yes, yes, yes. And it different categories and you could get coupons like Jimmy Dodonis or whatever. Yeah. What was that book called? Oh my God. I can't remember. That was like a huge deal in our house. I remember that of like, check that, I think it was like the entertainment book. Yeah, it was yeah. called like That's the entertainment book. And I remember like being in the car and I could like look at it for hours just being like, uh-huh. oh my God, you can get such a good deal on Putt-Putt or whatever. Yeah. Like, we just, can get half off at Subway on a meatball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I wouldn't get one half like, off. It was sectioned off for like how fancy the restaurant was too. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, Subway type fine restaurants dining. in one. And then it would go to fine dining. <laughs> Olivia found a link to it. You'd have to buy it. It was like $70 yeah. or something. Yeah. I guess it was a Cleveland thing. Experience Cleveland for less. Yeah, entertainment. It had a little crown next to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my God, that is incredible. Okay, so, so yeah. it was huge though. They had everything in it. it and yeah. yeah, I remember my parents arguing about getting it one year because it did cost like 50 bucks. I don't remember how much yeah. it was. But it was like, cost a little bit of money. And it, sure. they were just like arguing, well, you get your use out of it. Like you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to get your, your use money out back. of it. Right, right. It pays for itself. It just takes Or by the time. end of the year, if you didn't use it enough, my parents would be like, we got to go to one of these places. Right, yeah. right, right, like, right. somewhere in there. Let's get our yeah. money's worth. Okay, from the entertainment book. Okay, so we all think this is a legit moan and legit we all are familiar moan. with the entertainment book. So I love that. <laughs> Jonah, do you want to read this next one? Next one. This one's from Solon, actually. So, oh my gosh. Danny, maybe this was you. It might have been a family member. <laughs> Why is it that people are so fierce, neurotic, and fired up over cell phones or smartphones or Twitter or texting or Facebook? Whatever happened to face-to-face communications and visiting someone in person? How can they be on cell phones or these other gadgets 8 to 12 hours a day? Who in the world are they talking to? And when do they get things done, like their jobs? 
there on their phones, walking their dogs or in the grocery store on the phone. When our children were young, we would be happy when our kids called us once a day to let us know what they were doing or needed a ride home or was doing after school sports. It was a necessity. Okay. <laughs> I'm on that boomer side too. I'm <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they're sort of right. I started recently turning on my do not disturb on my phone because I was finding myself like just feeling like, you know, when someone texts you or something, you feel like you have to respond. That's how I was feeling. And it just became too much where I'm like, I don't want to feel like I have to respond right away. So putting the do not disturb on, then when I do check it, I'll get them all. What does do not disturb do? It just makes it so you don't see it? Yeah, so you don't even get you don't get any notifications on your home screen. So like I have it on now, oh, so nothing will come that. up until you turn off do not disturb. And then also in the text on the iPhone on the text threads, it'll say he has his notifications silenced. So then people I think also it signals to them like he might not respond all, right. right away, but when he gets it he'll do it. Okay. Okay. That's funny. Whenever I get that notification, I just totally ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't mind if people do ignore it because then you, you don't see it yeah, to, until yeah. you're ready. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you feel that way? Do you guys feel that way about So here's phones? here's what I think. I can see the sentiment. I think the tone of the letter is a little intense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who in the world are they talking to? When do yeah, they get things done like their yeah, jobs? Yeah. It's like, okay, like you worked for 60 years at AT&T, we get it, or wherever. Maybe people have different kinds of lifestyles where they're on their phones more, they're using technology, you know, it, this can have benefits. But I do think, yeah, people can be on their phones way too much. And I think this was probably about 11, 12 years ago where I think we were kind of transitioning a little bit and mm-hmm. people were getting used to it and the etiquette and maybe some people who weren't as used to it, found it really kind of distracting and difficult to kind of integrate. So I understand the sentiment, but I feel the tone is a little bit, could be tweaked. Vanessa, what are your thoughts? I agree. And I also always get so annoyed with these people, the way that they don't really proofread very well. Just ending with, it was a necessity. That's not even a complete sentence. It's just hit us with your best sentence at the beginning and the end. So we have stuff to, you know what I mean? To, to, yeah, could, to, this one could be edited down yeah, a lot too, I think. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. When our children were young and we would be happy when our kids called us once a day to let us know what they were doing or needed a ride home or was doing after school sports. Come on, that's not sentence. I need a Fitbit for that run on sentence. You okay. Know? Right, right. Life has changed. Yeah. And here we are. This whole podcast we've been talking about shit from the 90s, but like life has changed. We get that. A little complainy. Yes. Or a yeah. little it's a little complainy. Negative. The sentiment, I think, is legit. Right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah. On some level. Yeah. This last one is from Westlake. And I didn't mention the first one was from Fairview Park, the one about the yellow pages. But this last one is from Westlake, someone in Westlake who says, to the rude drivers who repeatedly take two spots at the Lakewood Center parking garage, colon, Are you paying for two spots? I'm tired of those of you who purposely park across the well-marked lines and take up two prime spots. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, I hate when people take up two spots too. I agree with all of these people. Yeah, it's frustrating. I used to go to a gym and I, I won't say who the celebrity was, but there was a celebrity who parked in two spots and they had like a really nice, like an, I don't know cars that well, but I think it was like an, an Aston Martin. That's a, okay. That's okay. a pretty fancy car. It was like one of those like kind of really, really fancy ones. And yeah, he would park in two spots and it was a very small parking lot as it was. And it was so obnoxious. It's like people who are on a train or something, like guys who spread their legs like all the way. Do you know what I mean? To take yep. up multiple spots. It's like that kind of attitude really frustrates me of like, 
you think that you should just be taking up more space than everybody yeah. else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Vanessa, what do you think? I agree with everything Danny just said. I think it's a really legit moan. Legit You know, just park in the one spot. I, I understand if it's like a really tight spot and they accidentally went into the second spot or something like that. But I do think to purposely do that. And I'm, I'm trying to suss out kind of the Lakewood Center parking garage. I'm not sure what it is. But I lived in Lakewood and I don't, okay, you don't know I'm what not this familiar is. with this parking yeah, I don't garage. Remember it that says, garage. are you paying for two spots? So maybe it's a thing where you pay when you go in. And so they're acting like... Or it could just be metered spots. Yeah. Or, yeah, who knows? I would say, you know, I strongly think this is a legit moan. I would say I've actually noticed that this happens a lot with parallel parking too, where people don't pull all the way up to leave another spot for someone right. else. That's another variation. I would say I'm actually the opposite of this. I feel like I will be like, am I too close to this car? Let me repark. So I'm like exactly yeah. in the middle. So the people, so, and I think that can also be kind of a problem because it's like, okay, I gotta get moving. Gotta I got get stuff moving. To do. Yeah. But I do think, yeah, taking up to, it's like so easy. It's such a simple thing to do. And it's just like a common courtesy. And I feel like the people who don't do it, like, it probably, I don't know if they're, it doesn't register with them or they don't care. I'd like to know that person's. Like maybe if you pointed it out, they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it. Devil's advocate. I'm a terrible driver. So I could definitely do something like that on accident. Like exactly. not on purpose. Like yeah. I, I'm just bad at driving. You should like yeah. go the other way if you see me driving on the road because I'm just <laughs> not good. I used to be really defensive about that too. I Like my bro older brothers would say, oh, he's a terrible driver. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, and then I very recently realized like, no, I am. Like I'm not good <laughs> at all. And so... I could do something like that accidentally is what I'm yeah, trying Yeah, and so we don't know. It, I think a lot of it honestly boils down to the intent. And if the person's like trying to be a jerk, you know, but yeah, I do think sometimes with really fancy cars, people pull into the other spot just a yeah. little and be like, just signaling like, yeah, don't park next to me. Then you shouldn't have that car. If you, yeah. If you have to take yeah. up two spots, right? Like that's yeah. not, then get a different car if you're yeah. that precious about it, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. I've never been a car person. Like I, I don't even, I, I don't know. care what I drive or anything. You didn't at a Scholastic Book Fair sale buy a poster of a... Ferrari. <laughs> Ferrari Testarossa. Ferrari Testarossa yeah. like Jonah and keep yeah. it in the plastic wrap when you hung it on your wall <laughs> so that it wouldn't get damaged. <laughs> yeah. I should rebuy that as an adult, that poster, because I would just stare at this Ferrari oh <laughs> plastic. I couldn't touch it. Now I drive a Subaru. My brother had the Ferrari poster in his room. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a car. It was like a, a very dramatic picture of a car. Oh, like yeah. a red yeah. car. That's what Jonah Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. Italian engineering. And I, I was, was like, Jonah, really... do you want to take it out of like, it's still on the cardboard thing with the plastic? And he was like, no, I don't want it to get damaged. <laughs> <laughs> I was like that with toys though, as a kid where I would get, if I really, really wanted a toy, I would get nervous to play it because I was like, yeah, it's, I got to keep it good or something. Yeah. That's smart because I thought that was more of a thing with like collectors later in more recent years because now everyone's like, oh, your toys would be worth so much if you never opened them. It's like, well, who never opened their toys as kids? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of... You, you. So that was smart. Yeah, Because really we just, smart. yeah. I remember seeing like my, my richer friends, they would have, they would get like all the toys and they would just kind of throw them around. I don't know. I Yeah. We were just... I got so many hand-me-downs that when I would get like a new one, yeah. I'd be so protective of it. You would it. want to keep it nice. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that could pay off for you these days. Do you ever sell your toys? I guess you buy no, toys. I just buy them. You just I buy just them. buy them. You're a collector. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, I should get rid of some of this stuff. My boyfriend does a lot of eBay stuff. So I think he's probably taken some of my stuff out of my office without telling me and thrown it in the garbage or sold it on eBay. But I okay. haven't done that yeah. myself. Yeah. I watch like some of these shows like Pawn Star or some of these shows where like they go in to sell stuff and so funny when these people are like, 
they always say this is from my collection. And it's so funny because they're like, this like junky G.I. Joe doll, this is from my personal collection. It's like, okay, your quote unquote collection. Yeah. That seems like a, you know, this isn't like your Da Vinci painting collection. This, you <laughs> but know, to a lot of people, they're, it's like, yeah, it's intense. There was a yeah. show on Hulu called, I don't know, it's something like someone eats the 80s. I think Adam eats the 80s or something like okay. that. But he goes to these people's house who were collectors. And a lot of them, there was one episode where he went to someone's house where they were like a big, maybe Ghostbusters fan. And they had like all the Ghostbusters candy from the 80s. And this guy was like eating some of the stuff from the 80s, like wow. the food stuff, because yeah. the food stuff is so filled with preservatives that he was like literally eating this like Slimer goo or something. And and he did that every episode. He does that where he goes to these collectors' houses and either tries their old food, or sometimes he'll get new stuff from the brands. But it was really fascinating as like from a nostalgia aspect. But yeah. there are so many people who like not only collect the toys and stuff, but also collect the snacks and the food. Or there's, there's full-blown like snack collectors who collect like the boxes and the specialty toys like we talked about with some of the meals, but like the ones that would come in cereal boxes or with other foods. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. Well, Danny, where can people find out more about your collections? My podcast is called Everything Iconic. I'm on social media at Danny Pellegrino. Incredible and then, podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And you were kind enough to come on. And and then I have two books. One is called How Do I Unremember This? And there's like so much nostalgia stuff in there. Like every It's like loaded with nostalgia pop culture. And then my upcoming book is called The Jolliest Bunch. It's also very nostalgic, but it's all holiday stories. So it's Ugh. sort of like my version of a David Sedaris book, but it's like a lot of nostalgia, a lot Ohio references and pop oh culture God. nostalgia from the 90s and that story about now and then there's like a, a longer version of that story in that book it's out October 24th okay amazing well we'll have to check it out and thank you so much to Danny for joining us and to everyone for listening if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like Happy Meal Toys Thanks again, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. This was truly like the best time. Thank you. This was really fun. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. 
Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.